0: Hey, welcome to the Epic Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad Mitchell, and besides being a husband and a father to four wonderful children, I am also a small business owner. And I'm Bobby Hawk. I'm co-hosting with Chad. And not only am I a husband
1: and father of two, but I am also a pastor. So we're going to talk about leadership and whether you are in the marketplace or the ministry, I think the Epic Leadership Podcast can encourage and enhance your leadership.
0: Here we go. Well, welcome back everybody to another epic leadership podcast. I'm here with Bobby Hawk. Bobby, it's been a while. How are you?
1: I'm good, man. We're right uh, right in the middle of the summer here, and uh this uh this July podcast, I hope it finds our listeners uh, doing well and maybe getting some uh, some swimming in the pool in this hot summer heat. But uh, it's good to be good to be back and uh, we got Bob Jerome with us, uh, superintendent of the Blue Springs School District today. And uh, our theme, uh, Chad, for the summer has been uh, if we could have some leaders run a lap with us. Uh, so we said we'd do four laps because somebody told me that's what a mile is. On a track. And uh, so I wouldn't know that because I'm not a runner, uh, but I'm going to take their word for it. And today is going to be lap number two. So uh, so this is exciting. So let me go ahead and uh, introduce uh, our guest a little bit here. Uh, Dr. Jerome uh, has now completed his first year as the boss man, as I like to call it, but superintendent of the Blue Springs School District. And uh, what a year! Uh, it has been. In fact, I we've talked as a board and I'm sure that anybody that uh, realizes uh, the educational system and the challenges that have been faced the past couple of years uh, would agree with this, Chad. But uh, what a year to have to uh, be your first year sitting in the leadership spot of a school district with COVID and uh, really everything else, which we're going to touch on some of those things today. But uh, so, yeah, so it's going to be exciting. So uh,
0: yeah, I'm r- good. I'm excited about this one. Um, also want to throw out a shout out to our first our first guest that was on, Alicia Scott. She did a great job. So if you haven't caught that podcast yet, just go back and check that one out. But uh, excited about Bob here, um, not only for the leadership principals, but also for a guy who has kids in the Blue Spring School District. Man, I've just been able to watch my kids grow up and and. And flourish in that Blue Springs School District, uh, starting out at William Yates, and now we have two left, Bobby. It, it's it's hard to believe, but we have two left that are that are out at Blue Springs High School, so uh, happy to have Bob here.
1: Yeah, and only two years left, right? For years? Absolutely. So two years. You're, you're almost through this, and uh, so Bob and I are on the other side. Uh, We've got, we got a while uh, yet <laughs> to go, and uh, he can talk about that, but it's good. Uh, Bob's got a good name, at least, so we'll start with that. Uh, <laughs> since we, uh, we share that, we also share... Uh, we're alumnus of the school district, and so I'm sure he'll talk about that in his journey. But uh, Bob, welcome. Thanks for uh, being here. And why don't you uh, just jump in and talk to us about your leadership journey and kind of how how you got to the spot that you're in now, leading a district of um, uh, almost 15,000 students and over 2,000 staff. And uh, yeah, just talk to us about the journey.
2: Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Always Always interested in in in, ch- in chances to talk about leadership. So, um, yeah, you mentioned the the journey. So, I was born and raised in Blue Springs. Uh, went to Blue Springs schools from kindergarten through uh, graduation at Blue Springs High School. Um, clear back in '95. Uh, seems like a long time ago. And uh, it you know along the way had some great experiences, obviously in the Blue Springs School District. And you know somewhere along the line, you know in athletics. <clears throat> Working with the different coaches uh, that I had experiences with um, really kind of stoked that fire as far as working with uh, other people, trying to help them improve, help them get better. And when I went off to college, I, it just kind of it hit me uh, that that's something I wanted to do long-term was uh, work with kids, help them improve, and just be that support for them in and, and whatever way possible, and ultimately that role model. And uh, that's where I landed in, in, in my in my path for education, uh, had the opportunity to come back, did my student teaching in the Blue Springs District at Blue Springs High School, and fortunate enough to, to land my first teaching position uh, at Delta Woods Middle School, uh, where I taught eighth grade history, uh, coached three sports. I was the head girls basketball coach, track coach, uh, and uh, assistant football uh, coach there. I had a great experience in my first couple of years and I thought that was it that that's where I wanted to be um, you know I, I couldn't have thought of any other opportunity at that point in time I just wanted to teach work with kids coach and invest in their lives and um, probably year two is when I started my master's program in educational leadership and really uh, enjoyed the class enjoyed the collaboration and in the uh, the, the, the scope of the bigger picture of, of the school system um, and, and realized there was far more than just the classroom that um, needed leaders and help um, along their way as well. And so I went through that program, uh, graduated um, with, with my master's degree, and uh, I had a few people in the district encourage me, hey, you might want to consider uh, being an administrative intern. And I, you know, I Didn't really think about it at first, but um, um, once they mentioned something to me, uh, I decided to pursue that opportunity, was was awarded that chance to be an administrative intern, Uh, was there for one year at at Brittany Hill Middle School, uh, working as an assistant, Uh, got hired on full-time as assistant principal at Blue Springs High School, spent a handful of years there before I had an opportunity to uh, interview for the head principal position at Sunnyvale Middle School at the time. Um, was was given that opportunity uh, to be the head principal. Uh, we had a tragedy in the district that happened uh, a couple months into my uh, experience as head principal. Uh, associate principal Slade Moorlang passed away suddenly, and we were in the midst of a construction project uh, during the time, and leadership came to me and asked if I'd consider going back to Blue Springs High School to be the associate principal. And, you know, you work your career to get to a point where you're the head principal, and then something like that happens, um, you know, you, you kind of step back for a minute, a minute and think, you know, okay, what am I here for? And when they came to me with that opportunity, my heart was at Blue Springs high school and I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back and help and be a part of that, um, process and healing process and working our way through that tragic situation. And, and, um, was able to do that. Went back to Blue Springs High School as associate principal um, for a handful of years before becoming the the lead principal at Blue Springs High School. Loved my time there doing that, and um, went to central office four years ago as assistant superintendent. And the board of education uh, took a chance on me and 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 hired me as as superintendent. And this is my first uh, completing my first full year as superintendent, but. Uh, never in a million years did I imagine I'd be sitting in this position right now as superintendent of schools of the Blue Springs District, a district that I was born and raised in. Uh, but it's it's an incredible honor and one uh, that I don't take for granted and and just love the opportunity to come to work every day and, and work to try to help make this a better place to be.
1: Yeah, it, there's so many cool pieces to that story. Maybe we'll break a couple of them down, but uh, one... You're the first, uh, and for those listening that may not know, I have the privilege of serving on the Board of Education, so I've gotten to know uh, Dr. Jerome really well here these last few years, and especially this last year, but uh, and you were a little bit older than me in school. We went to the same school, but I went to, was in the class with your brother, so shout out to Brett, but, um, but, but interestingly, you're the first superintendent that Blue Springs has ever had that has gone from kindergarten all the way through. And uh, then you returned as principal to the very school that you attended as a high school. And then now superintendent, I think that's just a cool full circle story. And now your daughters are at one of the middle schools that you actually uh, got your start in. So it's, it's kind of a full circle story, but uh, you mentioned, uh, I want to kind of start here. You mentioned you were uh, head principal and then something happens, unexpected tragedy, of course, but let's go with the unexpected. And there's a there's kind of a shift in where the district needs you and you take on that role, which I'm sure was challenging in and of itself uh, for a variety of reasons. uh, But walking in uh, some big shoes there. Right. Uh, That kind of sort of sums up what we've walked through in many ways in the past couple of years. And uh, what our listeners, I really want them to think about is when you start as superintendent and you've worked towards that for some time, as far as your educational background, your experience, um, you, you want to focus on strategic planning and a lot of these exciting you know, initiatives and educational opportunities. And instead, uh, we're, we're not through COVID. and in, in fact, as a board member, at least I can say that year two was much more difficult than year one. I think people extended a lot more grace in the level of uncertainty that year one brought. I think we were all hoping year two, we would be kind of on the backside. And would you agree? It only got more difficult, more challenging, no question. more divisive, uh, more problematic. And uh, and so that's how you started your, your tenure. So let's talk about that uncertainty or when life throws you curveball. I know you're a baseball guy. So, sure. uh, so in leadership, let, let me just ask you a question. What do you do when, when you get thrown the curveball? I mean, how do you process and handle that? Well, I think the,
2: the best thing that you could do is just kind of first evaluate, you know, sit back and realize what can you control? What, uh, what, are you able to control what you can't? And I think, um, in doing that, uh, one of the key things is to remain calm as well. I mean, when, when you're talking about uncertainty and, and working through COVID, like we have the last couple of years, um, you know that creates anxiety, it creates stress for all the people in your organization that you're trying to lead through uh, that uncertainty. And so the, the first thing you need to do is just remain calm and show that. And, and I think that that allows uh, your individuals, your folks, to focus on what they can control and their job, and to be able to move forward to get accomplish what they need to. And I think that's the first thing. Um, but other than that, you know, there's no playbook for leading through a pandemic. Um, and that's the biggest thing. And so you need to rely on your team. You need to rely on the people in your organization that uh, you trust and that you can have good collaborative conversations with because no one has the right answer or, or the, the answer in this
0: situation. And so I think you just continue to work together. You know, that's awesome, Bob. And, you know, throughout listening to your story um, there was a couple things that I heard that, that really resonated with me because number one, it makes me proud to have students in the blue spring school district, but number two, it, it also makes me understand how important it is to hear from leaders like yourself. Um, so the first thing I heard was, was passion, um, Bob, you have a passion for what you do. And, and I think that passion comes from a couple different things and, and you can maybe speak to that at some point, but you know, the passion for what you do speaks clearly from when you're talking about your story. Um, but the second thing that I'll go to, um, that, that I have asked myself many of times throughout, throughout this pandemic, um, as a parent, what it would be like to sit in the chair of the guy who's calling the shots. On this deal, and the thing that I always came up uh, came up with was, man, that is got to take some leadership courage, because sometimes the decisions that you made they weren't popular, to be honest. But you did, in my opinion, and you, maybe you can speak to this. You did what was best for not only the students, not only the staff, not only the parents, but tried to tried to bring everybody in and make the best decision that would impact everybody. And I, I, just think that's that's so great to be able to have the leadership courage. Number one to do that, but also number two, be able to pull everyone together as one unit to get through this thing.
2: Absolutely, in the middle of the pandemic, you realize that uh, you're not going to be universally <laughs> praised for everything that you're doing. Uh, you know, and very, very opinionated, uh, strong beliefs on both sides sure. uh, of the pandemic when you're talking about. You know, whether we're wearing masks or uh, we're, we're quarantining we're in session, we're not in session, um, ultimately comes back to what do, what are we here for? We're here for the kids. And you want to try to weigh all those factors in uh, to the decisions that you make and doing what is best for kids, doing what's best for the staff. And and again, working with the Board of Education, working with our leadership team and, and staff to uh, really come up with the best path forward. And I, I couldn't be any more proud of how we've handled adversity through the pandemic, uh, knowing that it's not going to be approved by everybody, but I feel very strongly that we did the absolute best we could for kids, the best we could for staff. Uh, we were the only large district in, in in the metro area that continued to stay in session, um, forge ahead, and and I think our kids ultimately benefited uh, from having that opportunity in the Blue Springs School District and. I think they're a step ahead of, of some of their their peers and other districts that, that were not able to figure out a way. We figured out a way, um, we navigated it, and and I'm hopeful that this next year coming up that we, we can continue to focus on really why we got into this profession, which, which is education, providing opportunities for kids, uh, for them to get better. Every kid has a story when they walk through the door, and that's where my passion comes in is you know it's our job it's our responsibility to find out what their story is and how we can best support them moving forward
0: yeah that's that's awesome and and i think you know from just listening out in the community because i'm in the community a lot with what i do for a living and and just listening out throughout the community i think i would have to say and i don't know this on the numbers guys you guys could probably give me this but i would say our enrollment is probably going to be up as a result of some of the decisions that we made i mean I, i'm seeing new families move into the area I don't know whether that's because of some of the decisions we made with school, but uh, you know, I, I think it has to play into that. So I appreciate you both for what you guys did during COVID, Bobby. You served on the on the school board during that process, and man, thank you as a parent. Thank you for everything you both did.
1: Well, let's go. Thank you, Chad, and, and thank you, Bob. I think uh, I want to go back to something that you mentioned because if we're talking about leading through uncertainty, one of the things that you first brought up was the word calm choosing to remain calm and interestingly your predecessor when before you know you were uh, unanimously approved by our board to sit in the seat that you're in uh, you know the, the questions were asked because he'd worked with you right mm-hmm. and uh, and knew you well questions were asked you know will describe Bob's style of leadership and, and I can remember him specifically talking about the, the level of calm that you bring above the surface. And so, you know, I think he even used the analogy of, you know, uh, below the, the surface or the water, so to speak, you know, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be paddling. I mean, you're moving, but above the surface, there's a level of calm that you bring. And when we were having those conversations, uh, for our listeners, this is prior to COVID, I mean, this is this. This wasn't even related to that. Uh, this was, uh, you know, probably about three years ago, and and I remember thinking how important a factor that is for an organization the size of a school district. Because I know in my organization, which is much smaller, how important that is. If the leader can bring a sense of calm, even in the midst of uncertainty, then most not all but most will kind of follow that example and if a leader does the opposite and and creates kind of this anxiety and uh, obviously is does not stay calm through challenges and difficulties again people will follow that example and so Chad to your point about you know people moving in the community and and maybe wanting to go to school in Blue Spring School District, I think one of the things that, uh, was apparent to everybody was the level of calmness uh, that, that you kept and you created for our district. And uh, it's almost like I, I mentioned this yesterday uh, on social media, but we have the opportunity to choose peace over panic. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that the situations around us aren't necessarily uh, challenging, difficult, uncertain. It just means that it's a choice you're making to stay calm or to choose peace because it, it is going to impact the organization. So so I commend you for that. And you have lived up to that, that praise from your predecessor, but maybe talk to us about how do you, I mean, what do you do To stay calm. You said you, you know, you focus on what you can change and what you can't, and that's probably a big piece of that, I would assume. But what have you just found in your leadership journey that helps you in the middle of uncertainty, challenges, and difficulty to maintain a sense of calmness in your leadership? Yeah, that's a
2: good question. I I think it comes from, uh, just as I, I grew up, I, I was put into a lot of challenging situations, um, through athletics. I mean, strangely enough, I mean, it sounds minor, but you know, when you're put into stressful situations, you learn to either rise to rise to the occasion or, or you crumble. And, and that's something that I had great experiences growing up through the, through athletics. And I think that kind of just carried over into uh, my disposition and my
1: personality and working through challenging situations. Do you, let me ask you this about the family dynamic then, Uh, do you feel like some of that is based on your parents and the environment that they created for you, even within athletics? Because let's be honest, I agree, athletics is a great opportunity to learn that. Mm -hmm if you have the right coaches and if you have the right support system, because the opposite can also be true, right? A lot of kids, that's where anxiety is created because of the the pressure their parents put on. But uh, I, I know your dad a little bit. I've got to right. meet him. Uh, he also has a good name. Uh, so we're all officially Robert, I think, somewhere along the line. But, uh, but, but it was some of that created in that dynamic early on at home? No question. Yeah,
2: they, they were always very calm, great influence. Coaches that I grew up with, great influences, used humor, um never had that that fear mentality uh, as a leader where you know you think historically back to some of the coaches that you know Bobby Knights and those kinds of very intense uh you know leaders in, in their sports but I had I had great influences growing up that helped shape me and I think that's absolutely why I landed where I am um but uh, you know you can never get too high you can never get too low you're going to have great uh wins and you're going to have
1: some struggles but you have to just maintain that level of calm. Yeah. Well, and and so again to our listeners, I I think what it reminds me of is the importance of uh, not just leading around us in our organizations but the importance of leading around us in our homes yeah. because the structure that we create and and we we've seen that, right, with COVID. Sure. I mean, we all know people who uh, probably chose to be calm. They chose peace over panic, and that most likely filtered down to their kids. And we've seen people who didn't, and that most likely filtered down to their kids. And I know that's one of the challenges that our teachers have faced, certainly, is they get kids that come into the classroom, and uh, those kids typically emulate the behavior they've seen at home, and if the behavior at home is anything similar to some of the behavior we've seen online, we know not every house was a, a peaceful house or a calm house. So, uh, so you know, want to commend your parents and and the people that invested in your life, uh, but also challenge, I guess, our listeners to remember the structure, especially those of us with, with children that are still in, you know, school age kids, the structure we're creating for them. heard somebody say once your kids will do what you say till a certain age, and then they will do what you do. Um, now some people are still waiting for their kids to do what they say, but, but you, you get, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like at some point you tell them to do something, they do it. Eventually they just start to emulate you though. So you can say, yeah. be calm, uh- yeah. But if you're not calm, they're they're going to emulate you more than they are what you tell
0: them to do. So anyway, I wanted to take that off.
1: Chad, you, jump in here.
0: You bet. And, and I think we saw that a lot through, through COVID. So, you know, I mean, it gives me some good perspective to actually go back to and actually think about, you know, the calmness that you showed. Awesome. I mean, as a leader, that is probably one of the most important things that we can do. Because if you if you react others will react with you. You know, I've always said this, and I say this in, in my office all the time, and and my office manager, she always points this out to me. My attitude sets the pulse for what the day is going to be like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I never did really realize that until I started to grow in my leadership because, you know, if I'm having a good day, typically we're going to have a good day. Mm-hmm. So I try to put myself in a position to where if I feel like it may not be the best of days for me, I probably just need to stay away as much as I can because I'm just going to end up upsetting some things. So uh, I I, I do appreciate that. And also throughout Bobby that, you know, um, Bob chose the, uh, the word crumble. It, it goes back to the Crumble cookies. I really think <laughs> that we need a sponsorship on this Epic Leadership Podcast, and I got to feel it's them.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that is true. And and so for anyone listening that has any connection to anyone at Crumble, uh, you've been mentioned numerous times, you've been consumed <laughs> even more often. And in fact, uh, we're sitting here uh, with a gift card that that Bob has for Crumble. And so, uh, so Sarah, when you listen, uh, just make sure that you got to experience and some of those those cookies as well. But, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about, okay, we've talked about uncertainty. Let me just try to frame this for our listeners uh, as quick and as simple as I can. In a 12-month period, uh, first year of sitting in the superintendent role, uh, let's take COVID and set it aside because we've talked about that, even though that plays into everything. Um, we dealt with uh, Some unexpected challenges uh, from some legal lawsuits that were were from the past, but they just kind of resurfaced in this year to arguably the most tumultuous school board election uh, in recent memory, most of that because of COVID and some of the decisions, uh, to uh, the normal challenges. And I know I'm going to leave some things out along the way here, the normal challenges uh, to the mental health uh, issues to the mass uh, school shootings that we've had to deal with to even very, very recent uh, to a threat that we had uh, from a previous student in our district where you were you were forced to make a decision that was going to impact, no matter what decision you made, it was going to impact people, but certainly uh, it was going to impact students and it was going to impact families, it was going to impact staff. Uh, and that that's kind of, that's kind of how your your year, your first year ended. Um, that's a lot in, I would say that's a lot in the lifetime of a superintendent. This is beyond the bonds that were approved and the construction projects and <laughs> the un, unknown budget issues with state, federal funding. I mean, this is beyond all of that. That's a lot for probably the lifetime of a superintendent. You got to experience it all in one year, uh, which by the way, the good news is you got it all out of the way. So I think, <laughs> I think it's uh, it's all rainbows and pots of gold from here. But with that said, uh, man, talk to us about maybe even the most recent situation. How do you lead through and make decisions that you know are going to affect no exaggeration, thousands of people, and uh, and maybe we can talk about the most recent situation we had with uh, with with a threat that's now made national news. So I'm sure our listeners sure. are aware of it. But talk to us about that.
2: Sure. Well, there's certainly been everything in the kitchen sink thrown thrown at us this year, so it's been a, a learning experience. But uh, specific to the threat that we've uh, had to address most recently here, um, you know, is. You're living your life, right? I, I, I'm coming home from softball uh, with my daughters. Uh, they had a couple of games that evening, and it's about 830 at, at night. And I had a call from our lieutenant sergeant at our Department of Public Safety, which uh, we're one of the very few districts that has our own Department of Public Safety as a school district, and very fortunate to have that in place. It uh, provides you that you know that comfort and that insurance to know that we've got... Know, people in, in our buildings that are uh, taking safety as a pro- top priority. But I get a call from him about 830 and uh, he explains to me that uh, we have a situation where we've uncovered a threat on Snapchat and um, they've been in communication with the Blue Springs Police Department, uh, the FBI, and it was deemed to be credible. Uh, they go through a number of Uh, checkpoints uh, in their experience to determine whether it's a credible threat or a non-credible threat. And and it was credible. And as he continued to discuss this with me, uh, it became very clear that this was different. This one was different. I've now entering my 23rd year in education, I've unfortunately dealt with a number of different threats uh, throughout my career. And more often than not, there are individuals that uh, make poor decisions, but really don't have the means or the intent to truly carry something out. And you know those are, those are deemed non-credible, and those are, those are stressful to work through and certainly unfortunate to work through. But this one resonated different with me. And I think a little bit of it's just um, instinct, um, experience. But as I, I continue to have conversations with him, uh, a couple different things play out in in, in, in this in this uh, time frame. So, you know, where's the FBI at with it? Where's the Blue Springs PD at with it? Can we locate the individual? Uh, Fortunately, in this situation, we knew the individual, we knew the name, and uh, we were working through that process. Um, and so, then knowing that you have activities, then the very next morning at, at five a.m., you're going to have individuals in your facilities in your district. Uh, you know you have summer school coming the next day and you're trying to assess um, can can we identify and locate this individual um, in time this evening so we can continue with our normal operations the following day and that was the element of of stress that came you know to the decision because they were having a difficult time Uh, the other the other factor in this, which I think is a a larger conversation, but uh, the initial threat was put on Snapchat and Snapchat was not being very forthcoming with the FBI. Uh, The FBI was having to go through a process of uh, obtaining a warrant in order to uh, try to locate this individual. And so knowing that it was slowing the process and trying to figure out where uh, this person was, I felt best that we needed to notify our families, notify the community that we didn't feel like we were in a good position to have activities in school the following day. And so it's not a decision you want you take lightly for sure. You don't want to get in the mindset of canceling your activities because you you know, you want to carry on, you want to you want to move forward, but the ultimate ultimate litmus test is what's best for kids. How do I keep everybody safe? And I didn't feel safe going to school that following day. It was going to put a tremendous amount of stress on our public safety officers, not knowing uh, where this individual was. And and you always operate through the lens of a parent. And as mentioned previous, I'm a parent of two kids in this district. We have 15,000 kids, and I'm always going to make decisions based on the lens of a parent and what's best for them, because I have two kids in this district of my own, and I don't feel... Comfortable moving forward and having school on a day where we have an imminent threat that's deemed credible by two professional agencies.
1: Yeah, and you know that was uh, that was a challenging decision for you. I know because uh, I could hear it in your voice uh, when you called me, which I think I mentioned to Chad. Uh, we were talking about this, but anytime you call me after nine o'clock at night, I know it's not to tell me how good the crumble cookies were. (laughs) You're always welcome to do that. But, uh, but honestly, people know that, right? When you're in an organization uh, you may get a phone call during the day and that phone call may be good news. That phone call may be bad news. And and it may be somewhere in between Um, the later the evening goes, right? When the phone rings, you know, it's typically not, Hey, just wanted to catch up, and you know, it's the seventh (laughs) inning of the Royals game. What do what do you think is going to happen? And uh, that's just part of leadership. Uh, And so, but but again, what I heard in your voice was concern, but but I still heard calmness. And I think what stands out to me from that decision, knowing that it affects so many people, was uh, was was courage. You know, and in leadership, you have to have courage to make the right decisions, the best decisions. And as we discussed that night and as we've talked since, I mean, the reality is, you know, this affects a lot of people. You know, this affects the summer school schedule. You know, this affects the construction schedule. You know, this affects families that may not be able to go to work that day because they have to stay home with their kids. And maybe they may not get paid that day. I mean, there's so many things and you realize that. And what you also realized and and we've realized to a great extent extent was that this could affect other districts. And it did. And so for those of you that may not have followed closely, uh, I think it ended up being about 12 districts locally, basically Eastern Jackson County shut down for the day. Um, And so you had to have the courage to make the right decision, uh, realizing that the right decision is not always the popular decision. Uh, I will say in hindsight that I'm glad the decision was made because uh, not only did they find and arrest this individual. And hopefully he gets the help he needs while also facing some, some well-deserved punishment. Uh, but they found the means he had the weapons and, and, you know, assault rifle and other things. Uh, so it was definitely the right decision, but whether it's the right decision or not, when you have to have the courage to make that decision, uh, I think that's part of leadership. So, uh, Chad, what are your thoughts as we, as we talk about decisions in a, in a situation like that, that you're making it 10 o'clock at night after watching your girls play softball.
0: Yeah. Well, so there's a couple things. So number one, as a parent who receives that text message, you know, the first thing that you think is, Well, this could never happen to us. And here we are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you, you read through that and, and then a lot of thoughts start going through your head. But but one of the thoughts that that went through my head on that Tuesday night when I got that text message was, man, I'm glad that somebody stood up and, and took the needed necessary action and had the courage to make this decision because it may not have been popular. You know what I mean? It, it may not have been popular, but here's here's what I I heard you say, Bob, and I'll, this is what I'll go back to. You stayed true to what you started this conversation with was what's going to be best for the kids in the school, what's going to be best for them, and that's how you made that decision. And I and I and I go back to saying you know, leadership is going to throw you obstacles all the time. But the most important thing that we can do as leaders is go back to what we know to be true, go back to what's important. So that's the first thing I'll say. The second thing that I'll say is, you know, yesterday, and I watched this kind of unfold, oh, you know, throughout the night, if if you hop on social media and you listen to the news and you do all of these things, you can kind of watch things unfold. And, and unfortunately. Over the past few years, we've watched it unfold a tale of two stories. We've watched one side of the story go completely negative. We've watched one side of the story be in the middle, and then we've watched another side of the story be completely the opposite of everything else. And nobody's ever been on the same page. Well, for one day yesterday, Bob, I I watched the city around us. um, I watched the communities around us come together and say, thanks, Blue Springs School District. And thanks, Blue Springs Police Department, for what you did. Everybody for once in a long time was on the same page congratulating us on a victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and as we record this uh, in the middle of June, though you're listening to this in July, uh, I will say that the courage to make that decision would be a lot easier if you had all the facts, right? Yeah. What we know now makes sense. What you knew then, you had to fill in some gaps and you had to factor in the things that the uncertainties, we're talking about leading through uncertainty, because I think after all the facts are out, everybody agrees with the decision. Yeah. But on the front side, leaders have to make decisions without all the facts and have to say what's what's best. And so I see the sense of calmness, I see the sense of courage, and, and they really came together, uh, which I guess just proves that as a leader you never get to clock out, do you? I mean, your (laughs) softball games with your girls, which I applaud you as a, as a father. I know you're really engaged, uh, with their, their activities and athletics and, um, and our daughters got to be in a play together. And so Mm -hmm. there's so many of those things, but, but you don't get to clock out at at five o'clock, uh, especially when you, you sit in a leadership position. Uh, so maybe talk to us about that. How do you, how do you manage leading an organization where you never really clock out, uh, with also leading a family where you want your daughters, I know, uh, to know you as dad more than they know you as as superintendent. So, how right, do you right. personally balance that?
2: Well, I could probably go back to one of the questions you you presented earlier, and I probably needed to spend a little more time on it. But it comes back to my dad. I mean, my dad was my role model growing up, and still is. Uh, I learned most of everything about work ethic, uh, work-life balance, all of those things from him. He, he, he worked shift work for 30-plus years. He'd go in in the middle of the night, work 12 hours, come home, try to, try to get some sleep during the day while the neighbor's mowing mm-hmm. their lawn. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he did that for 30-plus years. And not once did I ever question him as a dad far as being present and available for us as kids Um, he showed us what it meant to work hard do things the right way and also be present and available at all times for us I, i don't remember a time given that hectic schedule i don't remember when he was ever gone from a game or a practice um or an event or whatever it may be he was always there uh he was always calm not Never did he raise his voice at either myself or my brother. Um, I, I, I need to give credit where credit is due. I, I've, I grew up and I learned everything from him. And so when I'm a dad now, they are my world. This is my job. you know. And so going through that as a dad and a leader of a district of 17,000 plus people between students and, and staff – I preach that to our staff. Um, I want them to take time for for themselves and their family. I know the job's going to get done. If you value them as people and and you invest in them as people um, and respect that family's going to come first and and the job will be there. I think you're going to get more from your people if you invest in them as individuals, you're going to get more as a performance. Um, And I know I'm going a different direction here than what you initially asked there, but I'm always going to be present for my kids. That's never going to be something that is sacrificed or compromised in any way. And I feel confident in the team that we have to rely on one another to get the job done
0: as well. You know, Bob, I I think what I'm hearing you say, and, and one of the things that I want our listeners to pick up out of this is your leadership at, at work from eight to five or nine to six or, or whatever hours that you work may, your title may not say leader. but we're all leaders in a sense. you know whether we're leading our family, whether we're leading our kids, you, you know whether we're help whether we're the leader in our friend group, you know we're, we're, we're all leaders and sometimes the most important thing is to just do what's right. Do what's right by your kids. Do what's right by by your employees, if you have them. Do what's right by your coworkers. Just making sure to stay focused on what's important today. And leadership, it, it does never quit. I mean, it's not something you can just clock out from. You just can't turn that turn that off. I have to explain this to my wife sometimes because she's like, "You just never, you're, you're just never, you never clock out." And I'm like, "I don't. That's how I'm. That's how I'm built. That's how I'm made. That's that's just kind of in me." Um, I'm envious of those that can, mm-hmm. but for me personally, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's really tough too. And I, that's something I really need to work on. Bobby, how about you? Well, I think, uh,
1: you bring up a great point as a leader. You don't clock out, which means you have to be intentional about being checked in, right? You know, you don't want to sacrifice your children on the altar of your career. And I think that's what I'm hearing Bob say is it, you can do both. You can lead a successful career. And also lead your family well, but it's only going to happen with intentionality. Uh, It's not going to be an accident. You're going to have to make choices and, you know, uh, and you're going to have to find times where you're choosing your family, choosing what's best for them. Um, And I think that's what leaders do. Leaders check in even though they never clock out if that makes sense they make the most of every opportunity somebody asked me once about the difference in quality and quantity time and i would just say you know your career your job will most likely take more quantity time. That's just a reality. I mean, you take sleep out of the mix and you take travel out of the mix as far as driving back and forth to work and you take all of that out of the mix and and your job most likely is going to take the bulk of your day, Monday through Friday, and maybe beyond that, depending on your schedule. So you may not get the same quantity hours. So you've got to make those quality hours. And, uh, and I know at the end of the day, and I know Bob wants this for for his daughters, Chad, I know you want this for your kids. I certainly want it for my daughters. At the end of the day, uh, I want to be famous in my home, at least most famous in my home. I want my kids to not just know me in my situation as a pastor, a school board member, a leader, any of those quote unquote titles that might be tacked onto my name. uh, I want them to know me as dad you know, and, and that takes a level of intentionality, which kind of comes back to is I think through what we're talking about, we never pre-plan these things. We throw out kind of the topic and we just kind of let it go where it goes. And I I enjoy that. I've heard calm leadership, courageous leadership. And maybe the last thing I've heard is you've talked Bob about your family, what you learned from your father. Um, I have heard conviction, In leadership stick to your convictions Mm -hmm. and you've said numerous times throughout this and and i know it's not empty rhetoric you live this but the decisions you make what's best for kids what's best for kids educationally what's best for kids when it comes to your kids what's best for my kids that's a conviction that you have to carry through and i think it's easy in leadership when times are uncertain when the challenges are prevalent to sometimes lose your conviction for the sake of convenience or whatever the, the issue might be. So maybe as we start to wrap up here, uh, how do you hold true to those convictions that are near and dear to your heart? How do you not compromise those convictions when, when others would probably want you to, uh, when it would be more convenient to, uh, how do you maintain that as a leader where you you live and lead by the convictions that you carry?
2: Yeah, it's about focus. And there are a lot of distractions out there. We talk about the decisions on the threat and the impact that had on thousands of people. If you allow yourself to focus on all of those factors, those distractions, um, what this could look like in the media, um, you're going to be paralyzed with not being able to make those decisions Uh, So why, you know, that's why you have to go back to why you do what you do. And if you can maintain that, free yourself from those distractions and stay grounded and convicted in those decisions based on your purpose, I think you'll land in the right spot ultimately.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that's, uh, I think that's well said, Bob. And I think what it all comes back to and and what, what this has really resonated for me today, just from hearing from you is, is you always stick to the plan you always remain calm and I, and i think as a leader that's that's important that's important and and having that balance between your professional life and your personal life as well man that's that's key you know what i mean that that's key and and at the end of the day what it comes down to for me and and i'll reiterate bobby what you said a little bit at the end of the day our kids and the people that look up to us the most they'll never remember all of the things that we led You'll know they'll never remember all of the things that we did in our work life, but they'll remember how we led as a parent, and they'll remember you know how we led as 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 friends of other individuals. I mean, they're going to remember those kind of things. So uh, I think it's good points.
1: Yeah, it, it does remind me as we wrap up here, Ken Griffey Jr. and I can't remember the exact award, but was being given a pretty prestigious award. Maybe it was athlete of the decade or something. I mean, it was, it was pretty prestigious award and he skipped the award ceremony because he wasn't going to miss his kid's game. You know, at the end of the day, that's, that's pretty good advice, right? The award ceremony was about him. He was about his kids. And uh, at the end of the day, the kids will remember him being at the game more than they're going to remember the trophy on the shelf and uh, I'm sure he still got the trophy. So, uh, so Bob, as we wrap up, what, uh, just for our listeners, kind of a question for you, if you had a a leadership book or podcast that you'd recommend, uh, what are, what are one or two leadership books or podcasts that you'd recommend for our listeners that's helped you in your leadership journey?
2: Certainly some great ones out there. Um, the book that's, uh, you know, something that I reference quite a bit with with our team is, is Start With Why with Simon Sinek, and I, I think that that's something that when you're going through times of uncertainty, and I, we spoke a lot about it in this, in this uh, episode here, but, you know, just trying to stay grounded, remember your why, why you do what you do, um, I think that's so critical, especially in, in high-stress situations that we've all faced in the last couple of years is... Uh, trying to, to keep that top of mind. And so that's just a great read. I think it provides some some tremendous insight. Uh, Dave Zahowiak, uh has a podcast out there. Uh, he has leaders from all over the country, uh, all over the world for that matter, uh, that comes in and just talks about different aspects of leadership. And those are just quick hitting 30 minute episodes that I can glean quite a bit from as a leader. And so just trying to stay current. There's, there's a lot of books out there. Uh, Everyone Matters is... Uh, book that i'm reading right now and and started out real real positive so i'm excited to learn a little bit more out of that but
1: well leaders are readers and uh so whether you uh listen audibly or uh you still actually like to turn the pages of a book uh those are some good recommendations appreciate that uh i just let me recap for our listeners because here's the questions that i'm going to be asking myself this week as i process uh number one um do i choose to remain calm In the midst of uncertainty and crisis um and again uh bob's talked about how important that is i've been able to watch him do that and so he practices what he preaches so that's the the first question for me is am i choosing to remain calm in the midst of uncertainty and crisis the second takeaway for me the second question i'll be asking myself maybe our listeners can do the same is am i making decisions based on courage you know do i have the courage that it takes to make the right decision Or the right decision at the time? Because that's the reality is we can only make decisions based on the information we have. And sometimes fear paralyzes us from making those decisions because we don't have all the answers. Uh, But am I making a decision based on the courage that I need? And then the third question for me, we kind of alluded to here at the end, uh, and I think it's super important, is am I making decisions as a leader based on my convictions? more than convenience or anything else. Uh, and, and really the, f- the, the further part of that question would be, and, and do I know my convictions? Uh, because as, is we've heard Bob talk, some of those things come up over and over what's best for kids, what's best for kids. Well, that's clearly a conviction. And, uh, and so what are my convictions and based on that, am I, am I leading and making decisions? So I think those some great takeaways for me anyway, Chad, anything you want to add to that?
0: No, I think all of those are, are great takeaways, and I, I just, I've enjoyed the opportunity to, from a parent standpoint, to hear from Doctor Jerome on these things, and and all of the things that that we're doing in the school district, and all the things that you are leading. Man, I appreciate it. From a parent standpoint, I appreciate all the things you are doing. Uh, my kids are better as a result of your leadership, and that always helps me win.
1: So. Yeah, and, and certainly from a parent and also a board member standpoint, I've got to watch uh, kind of up close and personal. And I appreciate the, the leadership, appreciate you uh, practicing what you preach here. And uh, we are, we're in a good position. And uh, hopefully, this next year does become a little bit more about strategic planning. But no matter what uh, curveball we get thrown, uh, I'm glad that. Uh, Early on through your coaches and your dad, you learned how to hit the curveball and you hit it well. So, uh, Chad, you want to talk to us about uh, next month here as we wrap up?
0: You bet. You bet. Hey, we are working on uh, a couple guests for next month. Uh, we're going to keep this one a surprise because we haven't really got anything committed yet, but we've got a couple that we're working on. So, uh, you'll have to tune back in in the month of July and check that out because I'm sure it'll be good. And if we could get those crumble cookies back, that would even be better. So
1: Yeah, so again, uh, crumble cookie sponsorship for the Epic (laughs) Leadership Podcast uh, would be great, Uh, especially since we're talking about running laps. I'm sure we'll be burning those calories off. But Bob, again, thanks for joining us. for a leadership lap around the track in this race of life we're all on. Uh, Chad, thanks for helping to host. And uh, if you have enjoyed this, feel free to share this. Um, Give us a good review. uh, just let other people know, because uh, we all need these conversations to be challenged in our leadership. Stay calm, choose courage, and make decisions based out of convictions. Some great takeaways today. So thanks again, uh, Dr. Jerome, for thanks being for with us. Appreciate it's it. a great time, and uh, we'll, we'll see or talk to you again soon, those of you listening here to the Epic Leadership Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.
0: You bet. Thanks, everybody. Have a great month. We'll talk to you next month. thanks for joining the Epic Leadership Podcast. Man, this is just fun for Bobby and I just to kind of talk back and forth and hopefully give you some good insights into some leadership as of a couple of different industries. And if you've
1: enjoyed it, we would love to have a good review. Uh, give us a five-star rating if you can, share it with some friends. If you didn't like it, then tune in again next time and we will try to do better.
0: We'll see you next time, guys.